Hey folks, how are we out there? This is Romo. We are uh, back on the air, on live on Podbean, the Hit the Lotto podcast, and just pulling in Roz right now. Welcome, welcome to the Hit the Lotto podcast. We got a fun one for you tonight. Uh, hey, just just pulling him in before we uh, we we get it to hit the ground running here. Uh, my co-host is back this week. Last week he was out, had to do a little wor- little work. We missed you, but. Uh, uh, good to good to have you back, buddy. Yo, me? Hey, I'm doing great. You got it, Raz. Sorry, I, sorry. I, I, <laughs> I don't know you. I forgot I know your you name. Were. This is me. I this forgot is me, your bro. name. I'm here. Welcome back, man. Glad, glad to be back. Yeah, I had a, a little bit of a hiatus there. I'm sorry I missed you guys last week. I'm sure it was quite interesting. Uh, but, we talked yeah. American football, Irish coaching, and American football. It was good. It was well, a good chat well, with they, a few my colleagues they, or ex colleagues or. Irish colleagues, you know? Absolutely. A couple Irish guys talking about American football. It must have been intriguing. <laughs> it was. It was good. It was yeah. good. We could talk about that later for sure. There's some fun things happening in uh, Ireland, I think, with American football. But uh, uh, before what I'm really excited we, about, yeah. I'm really excited about is this week. I had some real some authorities on some subjects, and um, I got my ears open tonight and hopefully can formulate some really good questions. And <laughs> Dude, this week something. is going to be – this week is going to be fun, two of my, literally my favorite people in the world, but before we get into them, um, so I, in, in preparation for one of my, one of our guests that's on this evening, I've been, I've been doing a little bit of a deep dive into, and, and the joke will come after, but I've been doing a deep dive into uh, the comedian, that dude, Theo Vaughn. Have you ever heard of him, Ross? I haven't, no. I'm quickly, go- so, quickly Googling, though. Yeah, yeah, you can quickly Google, but, but he brought up an interesting subject because I had just bought a... Uh, I just bought a mask, right? I bought like face masks are the thing now, right? COVID face masks are the thing. And I, I like, I don't know. I just don't want to wear the white paper ones unless you have to double up. That's fine, whatever. But, you know, the other ones are like, I don't know. We always have shitty masks in this house. Like we don't have great masks. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go out and buy a mask. So I went out and bought a, a, one, an Under Armour mask, you know, like it, it fits my face good. It looks good, whatever. And, uh, I was what I just by by happenstance, uh, it popped up into my uh, a, a little comedy bit that he did popped up into my into my thing about masks. But uh, what do, what do you think about masks like moving forward? We're gonna have to wear masks, right, for a while. Do you think that's happening? What do you think? I about personally it? do. I do. Listen, you're talking to a guy who wears a mask, you know, ten hours a day, five six days a week. It's a part of my daily attire along with everything else that I wear for my job. Uh, that mask goes on. It stays on. I'm a, I'm a religious mask wearer. I see a lot of, uh, this isn't a judgment, but I see a lot of mask fatigue and people touching their faces and wearing their masks under their chins. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, on a personal level for me, I'm really intense about keeping it on, not touching it. I like the paper masks. I do double up. Uh, but I wear it. Uh, I wear it and understand it, it really is a piece of protective equipment for me, being in close proximity to the public and so many people on a daily basis. Um, it's just been. A, it's. I mean, at first it just ate my ears up. I mean, it just was just killing me, and it was really hard to get used to. But um, I, you know, listen, I'm all for them, and I think uh, I think that given the, the the information that we're being you know sort of slowly leaked from uh the, the powers that be and the knowledgeable people uh this is going to be a thing for years to come and covid will uh be possibly a yearly thing with different strains and we may need to be revaccinated every year and uh yeah absolutely i think 
Um, I so think my, masks my, are here to stay. My reasoning is, is a bit more vain than obviously because I, I was thinking like, and he, he this is where the, the comedy bit brought it to light. Like I was thinking like, you know, yoga pants, right? Yoga pants. We're all everybody in the studio that's that's gonna be on the call, but yoga pants. Like, yeah, you know I mean, women wear yoga pants. They wear all shapes and sizes. Women wear yoga pants. You know, yoga pants are worn. Like, it is what it is. You know, I think they're great. I think they're amazing. I think they're. You know, when you when you weigh the positives and the negatives, the positives far outweigh the negatives. And I think a mask only helps that because how many times you're like, man. Those yoga pants, they look good, but, you know, maybe when you're, don't get me wrong, I'm a fat, ugly dude, like, but maybe when you walk around the front, it's not the best, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not an amazing, amazing features on the face. This turns them into what he called a desert nine. (laughs) 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 And I I, I was thinking the same thing, like, it all just makes, it's, it's funny how it all just kind of clicks together sometimes, you know what I mean? Because you do, now you have more desert nines. Like, this is a great thing. This is wearing a mask for all people is like now you just get like don't get me wrong you like to see facial expressions and when you're with your close friends and people that are close to you and this thing gets safe enough to be around people that are really close to you like yeah of course i, I want to interact with them or when i'm if coaching ever happens again i want to interact and they want it to see my face but every other part of my life I don't need to see your facial expression. You know what I mean? I don't need. It's totally true. And no, you're absolutely right. And just, you know, following up on that, I don't ever see a negative to yoga pants. Uh, You know, I just think um, if you, if you're brave enough, go for it. And, uh, and, and uh, on the subject of the mask. Yeah. You know, listen, if you look at it in those terms, a mask really levels the playing field because um, it's covered 50% of what could possibly be um, not your best attributes. So the best part about a mask to me is if you find one that's loose enough, you can literally lip sync or mouth fuck you underneath that mask. Anybody that you want, they'll never really (laughs) say it right in your face. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, look, I I just wanted to get that one off my chest as I do something before every show. But let's get to these guys who have been patiently waiting uh, for us to get them on. But um, so so, Roz, you remember Fat Lucy's, right? I sure do. Yeah. So one day I'm at Fat Lucy's. It's like not super warm out, and these two fellas come in and they got these southern accents but you still have to you know and you you have to place which state it's from kind of thing right with the southern accent and so they come in we start talking i think they had new england clam chowder whatever this turns into we're a group of people down here doing some work and we're working in the hospitals or something they were they were doing there was like i don't know there's a big fucking group of these guys and we want to bring our friends down we want to bring our friends up from tennessee and we want to bring a band in and this is the perfect place for it. So we had this like party one night with all, you know, somebody, I don't know, one of his buddies paid for the whole thing. The lawyer buddy paid for the whole thing and paid the band. And we made tons of money. And it was, this, it was full of rednecks. It was crazy party that went on. And from, you know, from that moment, we became like fast buddies. Cause I was like, I got to fucking know this guy. Jesus Christ. This guy, I gotta live vicariously through him, and I have been for the rest of my life. But Brandon Mize is on the show 
Brandon's a talent booker and partner with Rival Entertainment. And, you know, if you if you are a band, you know who he is and uh, and a super cool dude. Brandon, welcome in, man. Thank you, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can loud and clear, pal. Nice to meet okay, you. Okay, good. Nice meeting you guys. That, that, was, a, that was a good intro. And, and a fun <laughs> party night. <laughs> and a fun party night, wasn't it? It was a fun party night. When you get uh, to be our age, you have to remember those days and those parties. They become specific. <laughs> I remember this one. I remember they're so far and few between now. You can remember these as epic events or in your life. So, yeah. Exactly. And then... And then through you, Brandon. Not that I want to. I want to just bring in, bring Joe in now. But then through you, I don't even know how it. I, I, I'm trying to rack my brain as to how it came up. And did I go? I don't know, even know if I've ever seen this next cat with you. I don't know if you and I. But somehow I through you. I don't know. It was through Mark. I don't even remember. Do you remember how? I, I, anyway, he'll, you you'll remember afterwards. But but I met Joe and uh, uh, Joe Stark is a sick fabulous guitar player who if you try to pin down what style of music he plays you think you can and then all of a sudden he's half naked doing uh weight exercises with a rubber band and you're like what is going on with this cat i fucking love it <laughs> joe I, I was was in a it had a band with his brother and i think there was did you there was one other person in the band and Ed, joe used to come into new york and play and when he would come in, I would find out even after Brandon, you left Bound of Tennessee, and I would come in, get a hotel room for the night by myself because Marie was busy doing something, whatever was going on. But I would come by myself. And once I met a cousin there to go see, see him, then he's playing guitar with, Joe, with, with Mark Broussard. And now he's got his own gig going on, done some incredible stuff. But uh, Joe Stark, welcome into the studio, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Can you guys hear me? Sure we can, can loud and clear, man. Loud and clear. Sweet. Man, I'm happy to be here. What's up, Brandon? <laughs> What's up, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear y'all voices. Yeah, yeah for sure, man. For sure. So I hope uh, you, you cats don't mind, but like, uh, um, you know, I just I, I got some questions like every week I talk about. I don't know if you've heard the podcast or listened. I'm sure I've asked you to a million fucking times, and I'm sure you're like, could this cat ever fucking I'm saying the word cat a lot. <laughs> Will this guy ever fucking like stop? Like I'll listen to him. I don't need to hear his fucking voice for an hour. But I don't know no, if you've been no, listening no. To, to, to what's been going on. But I'd like to have people on the show. This thing was done through COVID. I am doing this because I sit at the same table. Everybody's heard it. Who's been who's listened to this podcast before? My reasons. But um, I have some questions for both these. Like about. COVID, I know things are different there than they are here in, in Ireland. We can have those discussions, but just about the music industry from, you know, player, musician to booker, you know, just, just some, some questions for you guys. I hope you guys don't, and then maybe uh, one or two uh, crazy stories or something for us at the end, but I hope you guys don't, don't mind me pegging you for a few questions when I'm, when we haven't spoken to each other in so long and here I got you on, I'm going to interview you, but I hope you guys don't mind. <laughs> no, not, not at all. all. Awesome. Oh, well, then we'll just like throw it right into it. And before we go, like Joe, I hope did you get the joke about Theo Vaughn and the? I did, and I've experienced <laughs> that too because I've recently taken a job with like my best friend from elementary school doing HVAC and big like casinos, hotels, ships, and shit. But it's a it's a kind of an oil field job based on where I live. So there's like lots of lunches at Hooters 
And I remember eating at Hooters a few weeks ago. It was like the first time I've been to Hooters in probably four years. Like we'd never do that on the road. But, <laughs> but I'm going with these guys and I asked my friend, I'm like, man, did all these girls get like, they, they hired some hot women. And he's like, no, dude, you're just seeing hair and butts. Yeah, it's just 50. Per- right, I'm saying 50% is, you know, exactly. It's just eyes, eyes, eyes and asses. Eyes and asses. Eyes, hair, and asses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I've experienced firsthand. Yeah, absolutely. I think good and I love that guy for us. Yeah. You know that guy's from Louisiana, John? Yeah, that's why. I, that's you know why. That I, that's why. Yeah, man, that was that was the, what I was trying to connect for you, pal. Was Louisiana thing? <laughs> yeah, I think he was on the Real World at some point. He was. That he show? was on the Real World. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was on the Real World, man. Yeah, but, he's uh, crazy. You guys are both uh, at home, right, in Atlanta, and Joe, you're you're in Louisiana. Yes, that is correct. I don't know about uh, yes. you, Brandon. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually in Tennessee visiting my mother-in-law at the moment, but we're headed back to Atlanta this evening. All right, nice. all right, very good. At least you got to get out and get something, get get off the road a little bit and get get out of Atlanta for a little while, right? Yeah. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, look, this I'm going to throw them out to both of you. I'll, I'll try to remember to include you both, but uh, I think like the biggest thing was sort of uh, you know what what. Obviously, again, and I, I'm not 100 percent sure where where you guys are at in in the states with this whole thing, but um, um, th- you know, COVID has taken a huge toll on on everything. Let alone, you know, the biggest toll it's taken. One of the big two of them would be restaurant business with you, Roz. But the live music industry is gone you know it's done and like yeah and i'd like, imagine i'd imagine that the live music industry goes as the restaurant and bar industry goes you know what i mean yeah. and, uh, as far as i mean as far i don't know nothing about the subject and i'm, I'm interested to hear more but uh just uh, looking at it on the surface aside from large venues and stuff i mean uh you know these small gig bands and these guys that play you know bars and those kind of things i mean they must be just as hammered as uh, the bars themselves yeah. So what do yeah. you guys think the future is? What is what's what what's you know, before we get into the past, well not let's start at the past group. We might as well do it in that timeline. Like when this thing first went down, you know, though uh, Brandon, you and I had a few conversations and it was, you know, it was bad. Like it wasn't wasn't good. And now, you know, do, do you how how who how, I mean more people than people would even think of got hit by by this thing it wasn't just it's not just the musicians and it's not just the the you know the actual place where they play but like the people who work for all of those people <laughs> and those those that spider web gets is pretty fucking big especially if you know you you're got managers and all that kind of stuff but but like it, this this hurt a lot of people didn't it in the industry i mean there were like bathroom attendants and stuff i mean it had to hit you pretty hard brandon uh, yeah, you know, our, our last show that we did at the venue was, was March 14th, um, and, and, and we haven't done one since. And not only does it affect, you know, us as a promoter or the venue staff or the artists like Joe, but the, the backline crew, the, you know, the guys that bring in the gear, uh, the bartenders, the, um, you know, the front of house guys, the, the people who make the shows run. I mean, it, it affects the bus drivers that take the people to the shows. I mean, it's just, it's just a whole ecosystem that it has been literally without work for a year now. 
Um, and, it's, and it's pretty devastating. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I imagine I that it was, you know, just a crazy uh, – again, like you still – it's what, what, what are they doing? Where are they at? I mean, I don't know how the, how the payments are in, in Ireland. I think it's a bit different than what happens in the U.S., but unemployment things. But, like, you know, it must have been – it's gotta be crazy. So like for you, Joe, like, you know, you life was the road, man. Like I, I, I fucking flew to, to London. (laughs) I flew to London to see you, you know, just, you know, know, yeah. You know, like, like you're used to, you know, traveling all the time and that's how you make, earn your bread, man. And you're not, you know, you're a starving musician like the rest of them. So it had to fucking, it had to be kind of spooky when it happened. Like what the fuck was was going on? In fact, to bring Brandon into the fold, I think when this all hit, it was that early March week and I was out doing a Southeast run. And I think Brandon, did we cancel that Mark show? Like was that? Yeah, kind we, of we the, had a we had a March we had a March show coming up in, in, in end of March. Right. I think it was March thirty first, and we we moved it to I think October maybe, and then right or no maybe we moved it to March of this year, and now it's actually March of twenty twenty two. Man, that's so crazy. Yeah. So, John, I was on the way. We're we're on the road. This thing starts to open up. Everybody's talking about it. We're driving around the Southeast. We're joking about it. Like how much Corona do you have to drink to kill it? There was like this surge in the uh, like like viral Corona porn. So we were like sending links. Everybody's, it's just a big fucking joke. And then all of a sudden Mark's tone changed. This guy I'm talking about is Mark Broussard who I've probably made most of my living with for the last uh, seven or eight years. Just constantly on tour, we would do about 120 shows a year. So, so we're on the road and all of a sudden the tone changes and Mark saying things like, guys, maybe when we get home from this, let's, uh, let's steer clear the parents. Like it's, apparently it's tough on older people. So it it, all of a sudden it gets a little serious. And then my wife has some, uh, underlying health issues that are kind of immunosuppressant. (laughs) So again, I'm joking with her, but then, then she's calling, she's like, Hey, you have to come home and, and then you have to like not come see me for two weeks or whatever it was. So uh, I look at Mark and I'm like, Hey dude, like, what would you do? Like what, where I'm kind of holding the bag here. I don't want to be responsible for getting my wife sicker and you know, something terrible happening. Like I can't live with that on my shoulders. And he's like, dude, I got you covered. Go home. So I left wherever we were. It might've been like Chattanooga or you know, some somewhere in that little fold, and uh, and four hours later, the guys were calling. They were like, "Man, we should have left when you did. It's done." So, so we came. I came home. I quarantined uh, probably four or five days, and then my wife called. She's like, "Hey, look, I, like she's like, come home, risk killing me, because if not, I'm gonna kill these fucking kids." <laughs> so, so I, just, I, I, I just came home, and we kind of just partied in the backyard for like a month and then and then it was like holy cow you know i'm having conversations with managers um people like you know brandon promoters and everybody's unsure there's no real certainty about it and then literally like you know eight ten months in it's like i gotta do something like i can't 
I obviously can't count on this being my, um, my income anymore. Like I, you know, so I had to kind of rethink everything and luckily it's all worked out where I'm like on my two feet, but I, I definitely had to make some changes because like you said, man, that world just, it doesn't exist and I have no idea when it's coming back. So that was, yeah, that was like the, the, the crash course on it. The, so that brings me into my next question for you, Joe, because, you know, ironically, what you just said, obviously, is going to play into this. But like you, you are like, I, you know, I said at the beginning, introducing, you know, you know, from uh, easy to love to, you know, shake your tambourine to ladybug to what's going on now. Like you've evolved, you know what I mean? And that's only coming from creativity. And uh how did sure. that get affected? How did your kind of, you know, it could, it was it an amazing thing because you stopped traveling on the road and you could actually, even though it was locked down, you were living life. Like you weren't, yeah. you know, the, your job is a different kind of job. You know, it's a cool job. It's a job there that, you know, you do really well, but I know that your job is a hard job to do <laughs> I, I know how like the travel and the grind and the even though you're doing what you love like it's got to be you know it has to be a bit of a grind to play 120 times the same song like it has there has to be a little bit so you need some so did this help your creativity was it, it was it not like a sad a song question. kind of, kind of time or was it like how did it work so how did you like i said go? <laughs> yeah it, it kind of just stopped and then i had i went through like kind of a depression where I was like, what, how, like, how, like everything I know and this identity that I've kind of built for myself, like got taken away from me and I had nothing to do with it. Like I, I didn't have to go, I didn't have to leave to go to rehab or I wasn't fucking up on the job. Like I was, I was doing a good job and it just disappeared. Like, how does that happen? I know it happens to people in all facets, but it, it definitely sent me into a downward spiral where I was feeling depressed. And then now I've crossed this threshold where it's like, man, the more I'm not touring, like the, the kind of like more I'm not missing it. So I don't know what it's going to be like when it comes back. <laughs> you know, it's like, I got these kids telling me they like seeing me every night and, you know, uh, and then just recently I've started writing and recording for my, would probably be like a kind of a solo effort um, just because I felt like I wanted something to stand on my own two feet with and just have that outlet. So it's, I, I'm just kind of reaching, I think the creative peak of, of COVID quarantine. Awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. When John and I were traveling last year, this, you know, we play golf every year together. John comes over uh, this is like our week. This this sort of right around now, John. As you'd be at the show, and then we'd yeah, go down to. I know what to say. And I, we we were we were in the airports, and we were sitting there. So I could relate. You know, we were kind of sitting there on the road doing our thing, and we were kind of like John was put. Hey, look at this guy's got gloves on. There was one guy with a right. mask on. We were all like, "Oh my god, look at this guy overreacting with a mask," you know. And we it was just this like <laughs> totally. sort sort of lack of you know knowledge of what it was or. Or what was going to happen? Because who, you know, how would we know? We've never in our lifetime never been exposed to anything like this. So we travel and come back, and by the time we're on the way back, it's already an oh shit moment, and we're doing the same thing. We're wondering if we had it, if we, if 
if if we're going to have it, if we brought it back or transmitted it, and all these things. Sure. So it was it was really eye opening, and um, I can relate to that. How um, all of a sudden, you know, you really it grounded you in a different way, brought you home. Um, I'm sure you found the silver lining in some of this, family wise. I know I have. Um, Definitely. And, and that's, there's a, is a, everything. There's a blessing in everything, and, and um, I, I can see how finding that creative side of yourself i mean you're a creative person obviously i don't know you but um anyways being doing what you do it's all about that and being a chef um it's really in some aspects a similar thing where um you're constantly you know finding your inspiration from within maybe from some outside sure. influences um and it is a good time to find yourself uh in a lot of ways and i'm kind of circling back on the question is this and it was interesting because like you said this genesis of how things have sort of happened uh, since the beginning of this what is for both of you maybe both of you can work together on the answer what is the future of this okay so some people for instance now they're going to work at home a lot more or for what i do in my industry I'm, I'm doing a lot of meal kits i'm doing a lot of things where people pick up it's uh contactless dinners to go food is through the roof um, I'm doing a lot of these, like I said, these holiday meal kits where I'm preparing the entire meal but still leaving some aspects of it raw. We're selling it. People still get to cook it in their own home, but I'm sort of doing the work, quote unquote. So um, we in all of our different industries have sort of figured out uh, what lies ahead for us, at least in the immediate future, to keep the money coming in and keep the paychecks cashing. What is in the music industry – um, in any aspect or any angle of it, what are what are your ideas, or what are maybe industry leaders coming up with to sort of reinnovate uh, how you guys get your music out there to people and how people listen and enjoy it? Brandon, I'm I'm more curious about your answer on this than my than mine. So if you want to go first, I'm all ears. Yeah, you know, um, in the states. Uh, you know, after a few months, some, some people that had uh, the land or a, a significant place to do shows, they, they did drive-in shows um, where, you know, they would set up the stage just like normal, but, you, you know, people had to stay in their car, you know, six feet apart for each car. Um, and, uh, you know, some people have been very successful doing that throughout the country. Um we tried a concert in October uh, at Centennial Olympic Park, which which holds twenty two thousand people, and we could do twenty five hundred people. Um, we did it where we we had it uh, kind of like most people don't, you know. Joe, you know what a bike rack is, you know. Everybody might know what a bike rack is, but think think of just like a barricaded in with either four <laughs> people or six people. Uh, you know, a across a field and, and to the back of a field. And we, we did uh, three nights of shows. And uh, for the initial setup, it was great. Uh, it was safe. Everything, everybody had a great time. Um, you know, we can only sell 2,500 tickets. So it's the problem is the concert still costs the same to do. You can only, you can just sell less tickets. So the model wasn't very successful at the moment. We're revamping it, trying to see if we can maybe do some more of those in the spring. But, you know, as far as the venue goes, we, we for our 1,000-cap venue, we could only do 200 people. And that just doesn't pay the, you know, that doesn't pay the artists or the, to run the show at the moment. So we're just hoping that the vaccine, people keep getting the vaccines and they let us open up at some point. 
Yeah. So I think I and, and it's, I I totally get that, and you do all that you can do, and every and everybody's trying something new. Again, putting it, making a parallel to what I do. I've seen pop-ups. I've seen everything. People trying anything and everything out. I've seen, you know, like in New York City, as you guys know, there's like and other cities too. There's just like people literally putting tables on the sidewalks to survive. And we're doing 50% capacity or 25% capacity. And um, the bottom line has just changed. And uh, you can probably see, and I don't know if it's in your industry, but in mine at least, uh, you can let us know. I see, you know, you know, the mom and pops, the, maybe I could say the giggers, the guys that are, are the small venue guys, the grinders, and the, like in restaurants, it's the mom and pops, those single ownership, I own this place, I own this bar. Those are the people that are forced to stick around and eat it. But the big guys, the major investors, the corporate guys, the chain restaurants, they don't see the money in it anymore, and they're out, period. They're not in it to do great food. They're not in it because they love to do food or love to be in a restaurant or own a restaurant. They're doing it to make money, and when they see that they're not, they're out, period. And all the people that work for them are out on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's scary, man. That's yeah. That happens a lot too. Like especially in the, you know, the nightclub business when your job is to literally put people as close together as you can to not <laughs> not piss off the fire marshal yet right. get every dollar out of them just to basically make a few bob. You know what I mean? Just to basically make a few quid, you know, this like right. you know, there was already there were very few people it's a it's a the, the business is a magical business where the top of the business is literally multi, multi fucking millionaires. But, you know, 90% of the business is folks just trying to pack as many people into a place to listen to their band play so they can make a fucking dollar and travel 120 days a year. Like, like that, it, you don't realize how much that affects you guys, but it also affects, you know, it affects the us too. You know what I mean? Like I probably, you know, when I moved to Dublin, like I, I hit in a lot of ways, I hit the, the lottery for a lot of things. Like, and one of those things was live music because if a band was coming through Dublin, they were coming through 10 minutes down the road from my house. And the city is think of Atlanta, but a whole shit ton smaller or everything like you were there brandon you see like every pub in the city center has a band playing every night probably three bands a night you know what i mean so so mm-hmm. like that yeah. we live that the cult that culture here is like second to none the pub live music culture in dublin in ireland is second to none honestly i feel that way you know so for us too i mean it's it's heartbreaking not to be able to go to see you know get out and see some live music do you think that that until there's the vaccines working and normalcy happens do you think that you can you know can bring in a 50 percent capacity and charge twice the amount and you'll still hit that 50 percent because people are dying to see music and it's not a bad spend if you have a few dollars to know that safely you can do that do you think that people would shell out for something like that um some i mean for the right scenario yes there's people are so eager to get out right now and see live music um you you could find the right formula to make it work um, one of the issues right now, as, as Joe can attest, is that the bands just aren't getting out on the road to tour. Because uh, when Mark goes on tour, th- there's a routing in place that takes you from point A to point B. Well, if 
half those points aren't can't do shows, it's not financial for the band to go play point A and point D and then point G. Like they've got to connect the dots to get from A to B. Um, so unless it's you know unless there's enough of those dots connected, the bands just are like, we're just gonna wait till the tour starts. But is that right. what you're seeing, Joe? Yeah, that's definitely uh, a huge part of the equation. We have been like fortunate enough to do a few like um, Roz, you can maybe speak to this. I don't know how what it's like in New York, but here in South Louisiana, it's I would imagine it's a little bit looser. I, I don't live in a big city. I'm like 45 minutes away from New Orleans, kind of in a little bayou town. Um, and they, there's no venues open, but at the same time, like, I was actually joking about this the other day. It's like there's all these, you know, guys that would play with Harry Connick Jr. or be on tour with Mark Broussard or, you know, like in the Neville Brothers. And, they, and they're, they're all playing restaurant gigs because that's the only gigs there are to play. And I was like, man, you can see some bad motherfuckers that like, you know, the, uh, <laughs> like – Bullfish Grill restaurant. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I can, I can, yeah. I, and you know, I think it's they're working their their way around like the laws and the writing of the law because, like here in New York, at, you know, currently it's it, it's ever changing because of uh, leadership here can't really decide. You know, I'm not going to get political, but it's a it's not it hasn't been. Uh, uh, you know, we're winning daytime Emmys for our. Uh, you right. know. Um, our COVID response, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the media, but for some reason, you know, one day we're 35% and, you know, I don't even know what 30, I had to like literally get a calculator to, to, to figure out what 35% of what total seating was, you know, it's just not, it hasn't right. been easy, but you know, like you can, you can, if you're serving food, you see here right now, you can't just come and have a drink. So you have to have at a table, you have to have a drink, you have to have food in front of you. So I can Same see you know, yeah, in a restaurant setting, if you had outdoor, if you had outdoor dining, um, which here is kind of unlimited, as long as you have this six foot sort of space thing, they've sort of opened and loosened the laws. You could probably do some really good music um, under that, and and being under that umbrella of we're serving food, it's legal to congregate really in an unlimited amount of people as long as you're a certain distance apart outside. Um, you know, those are the things that people are probably doing, sort of trying to really find the, not a loophole, but just really reading it to the letter of the law and interpreting the law to their advantage. So, yeah, bars can't do it here. You can't go into a bar in New York and have live music, but a restaurant who had a ton of outdoor dining could certainly sure. serve as, as the you know, as a place to, to do that, you know? Yeah, I think that the it's it's been a nice little silver lining that you can have a little bit of music in that setting. But the honest truth is, is that there's no living to be made that way, or it's a very you know like you can't get a good guarantee for playing the Mexican restaurant. Of course, no, absolutely not. It's not. It's not. It's not the same. I can. I. I mean, you're saying it, and it's very easily understood that making a living, uh, you know, doing that right now is. Uh, Unfortunately, not uh, you know, it's not really possible. Sure, we hear we're hearing a lot of it. You know, we hear a lot of it in a lot of people in a lot of industries. But um, you know, real, I you know, I've always it, it's it's I, I didn't you know up until now, just listening to you guys and what you've said, you know, like whatever it is, people have sort of found a hybrid. You know, like sort of I was a Wall Street guy, 
I'd, uh, you know, I'm working from home. The restaurant people were staying farther apart at 50% capacity. But what real adjustment can you make in, in what you guys do uh, to, for it to actually you know, for, for it to make a difference for you. Exactly. And leading to you there quickly, Brandon, on that is that you and I had this conversation, but think about, so you, you talk about the restaurants, the playing at the Mexican restaurants, the restaurants doing this and having to do it through restaurants and all that stuff. But like, I, and this is no cut on what vinyls look like or, or any of your venues at all, but, but, and we talked about this, but think about having to take a, a fucking was. Like, think about having to take a go to the toilet. Like, <laughs> in those places, like, you, you, like, you were talking about them looking at an app where you would have to put in, <laughs> you had to go and it would buzz, right? When, right? when it was your time to go to the toilet. But, geez, if you got to go, right. man, you got to go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what you know, uh, and, and no slam on vinyl whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, so the smaller music venues, of, you know, some of the bigger venues, venues have really shitty toilets. And, uh, you know, have to say, I need to go to use that shitty toilet. I wouldn't be too far. <laughs> Brandon, I actually said that y'all were talking about wearing the mask and how you got used to it. When I took a road trip uh, and pulled over at the restroom to use the the gas station bathroom. And I was like, man, I love having this mask because I don't have to smell the fucking <laughs> shitty bathroom. <laughs> it was like, this is the one time I'm really pumped about wearing this thing. Oh, fucking great. <laughs> oh, man. Definitely, definitely some truth to that. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead, bud. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, like, on the diversification thing, like – there's been a lot of like a, fr a friend of mine started like manufacturing guitar straps. Um, we've like done a bunch of music for uh, licensing or I've seen friends, you know, get into that world because of all of the TV shows that are um, that everybody's like binging on and stuff, you know, they're, they're, I think that world has kind of opened up. And then for me personally, what I did was um, I would always have like these like, lawyer or like a son of or a kid with a parent who wants to pay for me to record them and i always said no just because i was like man i'm gone for this many weeks and when i'm home for this one week i just want to hang with the family i called every one of those doctors and lawyers up and i'm making all their records and their kids records so that's like my nighttime job that i have a little studio space for and able to kind of keep some semblance of music in my life you know so that's, oh, that's cool good. though right? i mean you know it's that one like you said it's you know it's that job that you in the music industry that you're like oh man, do i want do i have the time to do yeah. this <laughs> do, totally. I, do I, do, is this crossing a line should i go <laughs> should i go install hvac you know yes. like because <laughs> you could probably make a decent living out of doing that if you really wanted to sell your soul man <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's not been, it's not all been bad though. And then even at this HVAC place, man, like I, my wife jokingly calls it um, real man lessons. Like now I can change the oil in my car. I can like, you know, fix some shit. I can do more than hang a picture at my house. She's like, I like this new version of you. So <laughs> there's been, you know, like it's not all, it's not all, uh, it's not all bad. Yeah, it actually sounds like sounds really awesome. It does. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's good stuff. 
So uh, look, like we can, I think the future is. What, what do you think? What? How? How far do you see? Like, what? Do, what do you? You know, what are going to be your next steps, Brandon? Do you see? Like, do you think you see? Do you have? I mean, based on you know whatever information you get from your government about how to how you can be able to do it, do you think that there's a you can put a decent enough plan in place? You know, how how long out before you can put a decent enough plan in place to? you know, start to see, see these venues getting full again? Well, I mean, right now we're, we're hopeful that... You're a little bit far back from your microphone there, Brandon. Just sorry. I don't know if you get a little bit closer. There you go. There you go. We're a little, can you hear me now? Yeah, perfect. Can you hear me now? Yep, perfect. All right. Um, you know, we're hopeful that by, you know, mid-fall, hopefully by mid-fall we can crank back up to doing stuff. Um, but who knows? We're, we're still waiting um, on that. You know, the, the, but to, I'll take a step back. The problem with the music business is that we can't just turn a key and, and, and open the doors. Like things, we book shows six months to a year in advance. So uh, it's not just like they go, oh, you can go ahead. You can have a show this weekend. Well, I don't have anything booked for this weekend. Like, yeah, right. No process yeah. involved. <laughs> Uh, you know, like I said, you know, the, the the agents have to get the bands from point A to point B, and so it's it's still once they say we're good to go, you're still a few months out from actually being able to put on a a, a real show. So that's what we're kind of waiting on right now is for them to say it looks like by November you can do some shows, and then we'll we'll there's some agents that'll have some people ready to go in two to three months that we can start you know the process of putting them on sale and. You know, doing everything that That's goes into interesting. Show. That's an interesting point, Brandon. We were talking, I was talking with Mark this morning, actually, and we were talking about when it comes back. Like, if you know, if and when it comes back, he was saying that um, he thinks there's going to be agents and artists fighting over, like, Friday and Saturday nights. Like, you know, like, oh, you yeah. guys are going to have a whole, <laughs> like, it's going to be a whole other <laughs> storm of shit that you got to deal with. Like, well, it gets the wallflowers want the Saturday, so we got to take the Tuesday. Mm. And it'll be yeah, interesting to see how many venues that you have to come back to. What's the fallout just from a business perspective, the actual venue owners, the bar owners and such, who's left? Yeah. And I know, like, I mean, here, a, a decent percentage of Places will not reopen. If this goes another six, eight, ten months before it really somebody can start making a profit, you're going to see a lot of places drop out. And there's probably going to be uh, oh, yeah. maybe some new places too. And maybe there might be a market for some new people who are, you know, you know, get, you want to get in the game and open up new restaurants, new bars, new whatever it may be, whatever business it may be. That that'll be there. But uh, maybe the, some of those old haunts they may not be uh, they may not be there anymore. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Very true. I know. There's well, I appreciate. A few, there's a bunch that have already closed. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. I mean, it just it only makes sense, especially if it's an investor-driven business. These guys are not as as much as we are passionate people, and we do what we do because we love it. Um, a lot of the people that are behind a lot of this stuff, they're not in it because they love food or love music. It's they're in it for a profit. If they don't see one, they're out. Yep. Yeah, I you're, I think you're right. So the strongest survive, man. <laughs> Darwin said it best, man. No matter what happens, <laughs> who's the strongest Darwin? will fucking survive. Oh, yeah, that the guy. ones who will, the fucking, you know, the ones who can get themselves through this storm, you know, and, and get out. The ones the other with side. the opposable and, thumb. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, in in that perspective, you're you're yeah. you're right. You're you're 100 right. You know, the, when you the, when the you proverbial at the business. So, but uh, let's get let, let's. Uh, I I gotta and you fellas. You gotta are, lighten it up, John. I'm already. I'm like. I know you've been on long. You've been on long. And and the, and the lads have been on long enough. And if you guys want to hang out for the rest of the show, we're I only go about an hour or so, and we got to talk about some Irish stuff. So you're welcome to to hang out in the show. But before. I, I'm gonna. I, I tell Please you, you're, you're, you're free to go. Before I tell you, yeah, you're free to go. You gotta have like, you two dudes like, have been around, have done. I mean, I, I like personally just saw you, Joe. You remember when you came into West Hampton Beach and I got you the house? Yes, that was amazing. <laughs> and, and and Mark proceeded to chastise me for my political beliefs until four o'clock in the morning <laughs> oh boy it's it's it sounds like me and me it sounds like me and this guy would get along because i I'm, yeah yeah completely in complete, oh, completely great, disagreement of your political beliefs at a, this point it was a great conversation that was an amazing conversation because at one stage you just got up joe and we're like i'm going to bed <laughs> that's how it always goes yeah. <laughs> i can tolerate it and drink through it only to a certain point <laughs> but you you've been you've you've done the festivals you've done the shows you played with you i mean like some just some insane times i'm sure and brandon with you two at your place or putting on a show you've seen you know musicians are can, and can be some crazy people but so there's got to be you each one of you have to have a story you can tell me to put on the podcast to make for some good content you don't have to put any names into it but but the, the more famous would be the better if they if it, it, just even if you <laughs> lied to me and told me they were famous you got you each have to have a story about some kind of crazy shit that happened that you're willing to share on the podcast with me tonight sorry to put you on the spot but like we got to do this all good, Brandon. Uh, I've you got, got anything? I've got go one. First. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, we can hear you. Uh, we were we were out with a, a certain band. A certain someone may have may have been you know playing guitar for them, and uh, <laughs> it was a it was a festival gig. And uh, after the gig, we we went to this nightclub. Took took the band to the nightclub to hang out, and. Uh, we, we get the little VIP table over in the corner, which is apparently the only one they had. And uh, next thing we know, it uh, Jermaine Dupree walks in with his crew. And I don't know if you know who Jermaine Dupree is, but pretty famous hip-hop guy here in Atlanta. Um, one of Somebody in our crew knew somebody in his crew, so they said, why don't you just join crews and y'all be, you know, hang out together. That led to, you know, some bottle service, some good times, some dancing. And next thing you know, Jermaine Dupree standing on top of the, the little table, and it flips upside down. I keep mm. comes crashing to the floor. <laughs> Needless to say, they left right after that, but we made sure that they took care of the tab before they did. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Come on, Joe, you got to have one for me. You open for Bon Jovi, for Christ's sake. You and the Raz have something in, in common. You did. Hey, listen, open bon you open Jovi, for Bon Jovi? Right? Let me tell you a story about Bon Jovi, and it's a Raz has got Bon Jovi stories, kid. Let me just tell you. Uh, this is – it's not a story. I'm just – it's a statement, and it's just one of those real hairband-loving 80s, 90s kid kind of statement. I'm just – it's 1986, Nassau Coliseum, 
Bon Jovi, Cinderella opening. I was there. More chicks in the place than dudes. I'll never forget it. And that's all there is to that. <laughs> yes, it's so good. That's a, that, that's a good one because I remember I started this band Pet Fangs, which is my current band project, um, although we haven't had any releases during – well, I think we put out two singles during this uh, pandemic. But anyway, um, we were on the road. We had left to go out. And we were going to open with Mark and the keyboard player and Pet Fangs and myself had just played on Mark's last record. So we came up with a deal that we would open for him and then he and I would join Mark's band for his set. So it was kind of this like, you know, hodgepodge of a show where we would open and then two of us would stay and play with Mark. But uh, we're, le- we're leaving to meet them and uh we're in the van and we get the call from the promoter down here at live nation he's like do y'all want to open for bon jovi it's like man that's it's literally the day after tour ends and it ends in boston like we can't do it so so i kind of i'm like let me call you right back give me like an hour to to see if i can figure this out and i called my wife i was like man you know it always it sucks like you always get the call to do the thing when you're like busy doing the other thing and then she's like, wait, you got a call to open for Bon Jovi? She's like, fucking figure it out. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> so I, I think I think we spent like two grand opening for Bon Jovi because we had to leave the car at an airport. We flew home with all of our gear. I mean, we were fucking waxed by the time we got there. Well, I think one guy had some Adderall, so we were able to like rally enough to, to, to make it through the day. But... But I remember we we left the van in Boston. I had to get it sh- like a like a car ship guy to to go pick it up. He calls me when he gets there. He's like, "This thing's way too fucking big to fit on the deal." I was like, "Hey, what's it gonna take?" He's like, "An extra five hundred bucks." So he's driving the van. The van shows up. The, it fucked up the the way it sat on the wheels. Like it was a total disaster. But we got to open for Bon Jovi. Uh, and it was it was amazing, and I still look back like I have no regrets about jumping through every hurdle <laughs> to, to get there. Awesome, that's a great one. That's great yeah, stuff. That's awesome. Bon Jovi, baby. We opened for Bon Jovi. We spent two grand to do it, but we. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first concert I ever saw. It was Bon Jovi Cinderella. Yeah, you see, he was here. You were there, man. I'm telling you, you knew, remember? Tell you, you guys were there together, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I gotta tell that Cinderella, that that lead singer for Cinderella, that guy's got some voice. I still, I listen to Hair Nation on a Sirius XM radio pretty much every day on my ride to work, and uh, that between yeah. that and Ozzy, I'm an old metalhead, Ozzy's Boneyard. I like a lot of that stuff. I still, yes. I still think it's relevant music. That's me, and I just, I appreciate it more now than ever. But what a voice that I mean, Ronnie James Dio. There are some guys that can really Bruce. You know, from Iron Maiden, those guys had the voice. But that uh, that lead singer for Cinderella, he could rip it, man. He could. <laughs> yeah, Cinderella got lumped into that hair hair metal phase, but they they were they were a great blues rocking band. Like they they were they were kind of like Black Crows before the Black Crows were the Black Crows. They just hmm. got lumped into that hair metal band. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Interesting stuff. Um, Look, fellas, I, I appreciate I, if you, you you guys have a few minutes to hang out or what? Do you, it, we, we got a few minutes left in the podcast, but I, I don't want to keep you if you if you're if you're not willing. But uh, if you want to hang out, we got some tell some Irish stories. We got I'm a few things we're going to talk about. You, 
All right. John, I'm going to peace out only I, because uh, you said it was 4.30, and then I got the text saying we're on in 5, but it's I'm central. So it's 4.30 for Brandon, <laughs> but it was 3.30. But I, so I'm, I'm in my HVAC office, so I'm going to peace out of here. something. Thank you for everything. Yeah. No, thanks, gonna, man. I really super yeah, appreciate you being on, dude. You, you, so you, good to hear y'all's voices. Fantastic and, uh, time, man. You're welcome you anytime. And let's let's uh you know let's chat more often anyway, no matter what. Let's not let's let this podcast be a catalyst for you and me to chat some more, man. Love the chat with you. Yes, indeed. And Love remember it, three three thirty Eastern, three thirty no, three thirty central. Central? Central, that's right. Three thirty central. Yeah. <laughs> I, gotcha. I fucked up, huh? Brandon, I don't know about you. You got you no, got a no, few no. minutes? So uh I can hang for a little bit longer, and I think we're about to hit the road to go back to Atlanta. But Oh, you can I'll hang up there, man. You can, can go. The Rouse and I could take it. I thank you, dude. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, fellas. Like, like totally I appreciate it. it. Joe, miss you, dude. It's... Miss you too, man. I hope we get to see each other soon. John, hang in there. Yes, Roz, nice to meet you, man. Y'all keep up the pleasure. good work. A pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, peace out. Right, put, well. put that Zoom call together with Pollard, man, would you? I will. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I promise. We've been talking about it too much, man. Put that thing together. I'm doing it. Hi, awesome. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks Later, for coming dudes. on. Appreciate it. Peace. All right. Bye. Be well. Awesome, man. That was good stuff. Rouse, you still hanging, right? Listen, Kat, I'm bubbling over. I had such a big <laughs> week. I have a little bit of stuff that I really want to share with you. I don't know what you're getting into next, but I um, want to let you know, move over, Rover. Let Rousey take over. <laughs> okay. I like that. Listen, I was really excited last week or the week before that you had uh, some of your more dedicated listeners send in some recipes. And uh, just have me have a look at them. I was really excited to actually cook and enjoy and eat uh, the last recipe. That was a wonderful tart and um, something that was really very uh, – it was enjoyable for me. I like that kind of stuff. And this past week, you sent something across my desk uh, that was extremely interesting and very special in itself. Um, I did. I and, did. I, you know, I had the time and I, and I – uh, I, I, I took some time out of my day. I cooked this recipe. I did some research on this recipe. I learned a little bit. Uh, I discovered some things. And I was, I'm hoping uh, if I could share. I, you know, sometimes I do this in more. I want to do, I want to do, I hope that more of you and your listeners and the people that come on here send this guy recipes. I want to do this. I think this is a lot of fun for me. I think the feedback is good for you. I think this could be something really cool. So well, we have to just before you go into it, though, we have to put a little bit of a a, a disclaimer on that because all recipes sent into the hit it, hit it, uh, hit the lotto podcast will be you know the exclusive you know we're allowed to use these recipes in that like the the plus plus side for this is you, you this could be on a this could be in a dining room served by the, by Chef Roz himself. Listen, room here, you, you never know. There could be something we, could, that happens here. So that's a plus side of this thing. Like, in, it, this is goes falls into the realm of intellectual property and creativity, and it, it is. It's a really. It's a. It's a, a gray area in cooking. So all I have to do is <laughs> all I have to do is change one thing, and it becomes mine anyways. If you're really yours, <laughs> I've done the research. So this was such a cool recipe, and from someone clearly who must spend a lot of time in the kitchen and someone with an amazing palate, someone who's, who's really down with, um, you know, trying new things and, and, you know, a lover of food. So I put this into essay form. So if I, if I may, may I have a minute or two just to sort of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't need me to, do you, you don't need me to intro what the recipe was for. You have that all set up. There, I right? have this, I'm going to lay this I all figured down. That. All right. All right, my friend. So it's this recipe you, was called uh, traditional Irish coddle. Um, so 
I knew nothing about it. So here we go. Um, this dish was a real thinker for an American chef. Uh, etymology, meaning to cook in water. Uh, here in the States, we'd call this a New England boil. Uh, this is pure Irish comfort food, uh, as uninspiring as it gets. <laughs> in fact, the only thing that inspired me about this recipe was to drink more beer to wash the horrible memory from my palate. <laughs> Associated with the sparkling sunny city of Dublin, this gem of a one-pot wonder has been mentioned in the works of James Joyce. Yes. Ex explained by one fellow as just like eating a pot of dicks. It's used to, it, <laughs> true. It's used to utilize all the entrails left in your larder. This magic happens usually on Thursdays, as good Catholics skip meat on Fridays. Uh, I found this all very interesting, but I think that the colorful description was the best part of this entire culinary death march. <laughs> Typically using two types of cured pork, i.e. sausage and bacon, otherwise known as lips, assholes, and belly fat, I found this recipe to be a moonshot of cholesterol consumption. Also, potatoes and what was described as shitloads of fresh bread pushed the limits of complex carbohydrate <coughs> intake. But the best part of this recipe was the technique involved, listeners. The method of production. We'll try and get with... you a video too. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to try and get a video up of this because <laughs> it has to be said. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, no, no. It's okay. So technique involved was the mind blowing part of it. The method of production starts with bang all ingredients into a pot, and it <laughs> and it finishes with boil the shit out of it. <laughs> a recipe of this caliber would challenge the precision of any Michelin starred <laughs> gastronome. Uh, all in all, mind-blowing. My only critiques would be to add a smidge of flavor, color, and texture to this winner. That would really put this national disaster into the stratos in which food legend has been written. Thank you so much for that. That was, uh, I mean, that's, please, folks, keep them coming in. <laughs> keep them coming in. Because you bring them on is, and I'll bang them right out of the park for you. Bang them right out of the park. Like this one, that's a download right there. My Dublin, uh -huh. if there's any of my Dublin friends listening, that was. You're welcome, amazing. Ireland. You're, You're welcome, welcome, Ireland. <laughs> You're welcome, Ireland. Oh, that is amazing. I love it. I absolutely love it. Wow. <laughs> 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 I don't. I. I, I got. I, I mean. I. I don't know if you have anything backed up from. Uh. I, I got a couple stories if you want to talk about. But honestly, if you have a couple things uh, that are backed up that we've been trying to talk about, man. You know, by all means, let's. Uh, let, let, let's. Let's talk about a few of those things. Now run on it, man. Let's see what's going on. All, all kidding aside, I, not nothing meant to hurt anybody's feelings. But uh, this particular listener was uh, holds a special place in my heart, and I want to make sure I. I did this the the recipe do that it deserves. So. Um, you I, take it away. You take it away from here. I think that you have, have, have you know, in a game of one-upsmanship, you have just, you have just set the bar, and, <laughs> and I think that you know the the the, the fellow who who pulled the, uh, uh, who who pulled the the um the recipe in and who brought it over. I think that he has nothing but mad respect for <laughs> for for you right now, man. Nothing but mad respect. <laughs> uh. I just got. I mean, we're actually we're we're over the hour recipe, uh, uh, running over the hour. But um, 
But uh, how about today? You know, let's let's talk about some current things there. Uh, Tiger Woods, huh? That's, that's that's some crazy crazy story for Tiger. It is, and we're still waiting to hear. I haven't checked in since we've been on what the news, what the latest reports have been here. Obviously, it was a one car crash. Uh, they don't know what's been involved as far as uh, the reasoning behind it or how, but uh, he was um, thankfully uh, in, I know it's scary, but not in critical, but only serious condition and um, apparently getting some surgery for some leg injuries. But, you know, the it's already starting. The, the, the rumor mill, the media mill is already starting. Is this the end and of his career? And, you know, there'll be a lot of questions from here on out. And it's really amazing how certain people – are so media worthy. I mean, like, you know, other people, it might be a blip or a blurred, but this is all over the news. This is headline news in this country. And it's interesting what gets focused. And I mean, thank God he's alive. And, um, you know, I hope that nothing horrible has happened to this guy. He's one of my, uh, I mean, just probably my all-time favorite as far as an accomplished golfer, I have other personalities that I enjoy in the game. And maybe we can dedicate a show to golf or something. That would be really fun to do. But, man, you know, I hope he's okay and there will be a lot of questions moving forward. I mean, it's just – it's crazy how the media uh, – this is this – they're going to run with this one. This is going to be – we're going to go all night on this. I think ESPN has probably got that special breaking news bar across the bottom of their streamer on the bottom of the – you know, on the bottom of their channel. And they're, they're covering live from outside the hospital kind of thing, you know. Yeah, it's a, it, it, I mean, we just have a get the first few photos and stuff over here. And then obviously it looks like, uh, you know, doesn't, it doesn't look good. Hopefully, you know, like I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, for him, you know, for us, you know, we, we kind of our peak of watching golf, I'm sure, you know, you know, when we were together, you know, hanging out and watching golf, our peak of watching golf really teetered from that old school. We were from the old school to the new school. You know, Tiger created the new school, and we saw the entire. He's our age. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he is. Listen, he's all, li- go ahead. He's our contemporary. You know, we've we we, we he, you know he's in his forties. Like he, he, this is it's crazy that that uh, you know we've seen him from the very beginning to to where he's going now. So for for it is kind of big. You know, when you think about the new guys and the Dustin Johnsons and the Kepkas and the you know all the guys now. I mean, they're they're a different breed from what we originally saw. Before Tiger, of course, you know, and, you know people people always bring the racial aspect into things, and I'm not going there. I'm just it's not it's not my yep. wheelhouse. Yep. But you know that's they use Tiger Woods a lot in that conversation, and as they should, and I understand why they do. But for me, Tiger Woods transcended a sport. He changed the way the sport was played. He changed the way golf courses were designed. It wasn't because of the color of his skin or even his gender. It had nothing to do with any of those things. Maybe it did and maybe I'm wrong. But to me, as a person, it was the amazing ability, uh, how he played from such a young age. And, I mean, this guy to me was like a Pele, a Babe Ruth. He was one of those players that changed the game. I mean, Babe Ruth hit more home runs, as we know, than entire teams did in his day. And mm-hmm. that was the way Tiger Woods was. He just dismantled golf courses. Professional golfers, his peers and his competitors, sat there and said then and then years later they had never seen anything like it. Uh, he brought nutrition, training, power, uh, equipment changes to the game. And uh, golf is in a completely different game as a result of it. Uh, the paydays are completely different. These guys were making good money. 
but only the top three or four or five golfers were really successful. Now, I mean, you saw Kevin Kisner a couple of weeks ago when yeah. they asked him, why do you play Beth Page Black? And he says, well, they give great money for 20th, you know? So, uh, you know, that's what he did. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, I mean, it is, obviously it is newsworthy and um, it's kind of unfortunate, you know? Yeah, I, I, it's, uh, you're right. There's very few, uh, you know, we can eat, should do it, whether it's an athlete show or whatever too, but there's very few, you know, musicians probably the same. I mean, in any, I guess in any you know job or whatever, but I mean, when you talk about athletes, there's very few that are in that really rarefied air of Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, you know, that, that's, that's rare. Literally they, those guys live in rarefied air, you know? Yeah, no, they did. I mean, I, Jordan is a good example, but I even go back to like Will Chamberlain. I mean, like yeah. a guy, a yeah. guy who was dunking a basketball <laughs> yeah. over the top of guys that were half his size yeah. until people realized we better go only find really tall guys to play the sport from now on. <laughs> I mean, that's what Tiger did. They made golf courses longer. They put trees in places they didn't have them before. They grew the rough. They changed everything because of the way that he dismantled golf courses and, and, uh, you know, that, it's always he's always been – I've always been in awe of that. And there's just a few people. There's only a handful, um, maybe just one or two in each sport that uh, – I mean, there have been great players, and you can compare him to Jack Nicklaus. And, but Jack Nicklaus, Jack, Jack Nicklaus played the game that other people were playing. He was young. He was long for a player uh, in his time for sure, but he played the game that was being played. Uh, and Tiger Woods did not. Tiger Woods came with another game that no one else was playing. I, you're, yeah, you're right. It is. It is a Chamberlain moment. You're absolutely right about that. Like he was scoring a hundred points, like a hundred points. They had to, they had to speed up bas. They had to change basketball after that, and, and completely. You're absolutely right about that, man. It's rarefied air that those guys live in, and you know, obviously, we wish the dude, we wish the dude the best of luck. You know, the the last thing, the only thing, just because we're we're gonna get ready to roll off, but uh, you know, we like to talk about coffee on the show. Uh, and we like to. We, uh, the, there was a running theme of coffee, but uh, uh, I just I just read an article where you know that. So there's that coffee that the, uh, you know what what that that cat like thing poops right. What's it called? It's uh, the monkey coffee. Uh, it's, I forget what the name of the animal is, but it's in Madagascar. The civet. Yeah, yeah. The Kopi Luwak. You know that? You, you got, hear the Kopi you got me. Coffee? I I I know what you're talking about. They eat it. They digest it. It ferments. It, it, it ferments in their system. Then they pass it, and then it, it's you know it's special. Yeah, yeah. So the so the yeah what the bird or the, it's an, a cat like animal whatever it eats. The, apparently, you know, the it's a beautiful. It was a great tool, marketing tool, because apparently they say that it only ate the the most perfectly ripe cherries of the coffee right and then it shits them out because it can't process them it shits them out and then they collect them and they and that's that stuff is like like gold so so a guy in brazil i just read today that a guy in um in brazil essentially has has taken that to to another level because apparently there are these birds called jacu birds that are like endangered pheasant like birds that are that are only flocking to his organic coffee field <laughs> and they're eating it and they're shitting it and he's picking up their shit and he's cleaning it off and it's 500 pounds for a half a kilo of this coffee so that's 700 700 dollars for a for a pound, pound? 
Good gracious. For a pound, a little over a pound. Yeah. We need an angle Can like you that. Imagine man. that. We need an angle we like that. We need a fucking angle like that, man. Yeah. You know, we we definitely we need to get our yeah, exactly. See, he MIB says he maybe needs I'll feed you maybe I'll feed you coffee it. beans. I'll feed you coffee beans and wait to see what happens. We see what we get for them a pound. See what we get from I don't know. They're both, I don't know, man. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. We'd have to pay some good money to the homeboy who had to clean that dude. Like I'm sorry, because it wouldn't be me, and I'd be the closest one to it. You know what I'm saying? Like I would be, I would be the closest one to that, but I would not do that. <laughs> Oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> oh, uh, look, that's that it, man. Funny. That's all I got. That's all I can do. My jaw's gonna, hurt you, from laughing. You're gonna sign <laughs> off on that one right there, huh? Okay. We, we gotta we gotta unless you have something to uh to to bring up, man. It was uh, another awesome week, dude. I totally love doing these with you. We just get better and I, I, I'm having a blast. Listen, farewell. I'll see you next week. I look forward to maybe another recipe uh you send my way. Someone who's uh, got a little bit of a sense of humor, hopefully. And um, I'll be uh, be sure to make this available to anybody who needs uh, the script of that this week for uh, their, <laughs> awesome. cook, their cookbook needs. Awesome. Awesome. I'm putting it out there, man. I totally appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see if we got some guests coming on. I don't have much planned over the next couple of weeks. You never know what kind of comes up. We play this on the fly. There you go. We'll do spice bag recipes next week for sure. The Ross doesn't know what that is. So that'll be another good one that you can send into him to have to see what he has to say about that Irish cuisine. We'll just, we have to, we'll start with just the Irish cuisine is what we'll do with you, Ross. I think that's how we get this started. The, the, we'll, we'll bring you some of, some of Ireland's finest because absolutely. I mean, I, I even think that that I've been told. <laughs> we'll end it on this one. I've been told by by uh, people here in Ireland that there's a takeaway. So you know what a takeaway like a takeout joint, right? Sure. Um, that there, there's a takeout joint here. It's a it's a an Italian takeout joint that um that that is right down the road that has the best pasta arrabbiata in the world, and that's including Italy. And this person has said that they've tried it all over Italy and all over the world. So we got some great stuff for you, but we'll said we'll make sure that we have some good some good Irish uh, uh, cooking for you that that we can send over to you so you can critique it. <laughs> yeah, fire away, man, fire away. I'll see you guys soon. Be well, uh, love you dearly, and uh, talk to you very soon. That's it, guys. Hit the lotto is out of here.